What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Socially distanced tacos. Socially distancing. Socially distanced tacos. I like that. I like that a lot, man. They were good, though. They were good. They were really good, man. I I learned the uh, putting pineapple. Mm -hmm. I've never done that until... Three years ago, I was at the first Kuyu Mountain Academy. Okay. And they had a taco guy, a taco vendor there. And it's just free tacos for everybody that was there for the day. Yeah. And uh, every time I go over there, I'd always notice that he's just throwing ta- uh, pineapple chunks in it. And I was like, damn, that looks hella good. So nice. now it's like a staple of right. part of the way I prepare tacos. Yeah, I love that shit. It was good. Was amazing. Yeah. Warm chunk of, ta- of, of pineapple. Yeah. Right. Have you ever been to like Brazilian food? Uh, some kind of cheesy Brazilian. Not where house. they like sear it or anything like that. Oh, they just come out with some shitty looking swords and cut some meat <laughs> off. Nothing. <laughs> so there, there's one here in town that's actually phenomenal, and I can't remember the name of it right now. But at the end of your dinner, they bring you out seared pineapple, and they slice it straight off onto your plate, <laughs> and it is so. If if no one has ever had seared pineapple, yeah, I've had grilled pineapple. Before. I mean, ugh, grilled pineapple, yeah. seared whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heated up pineapple. Yeah. We had a little caramelized on the outside, a little so bit. So good, burnt, dude. Little, yeah, the sugars are all browned and stuff. So good. Yeah, hell yeah. We've been eating a ton of pineapples actually. Mm-hmm. A little Mexican market by my house has these like little mini pineapples. Yeah, and they're just like taste like honey vanilla pineapple. It's just so and that's amazing. like South San Francisco pretty much. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? South San Francisco is an amazing little like family-owned Mexican markets. Oh, that's badass, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's actually pretty interesting. I mean, I, South San Francisco at different times was like a predominantly Italian community. It's where my dad grew up. Sort of was just right, right around that area. Oh yeah, you told me that before. Yeah, yeah. and then, uh, and then. Latin, Central American community, Chinese community. So there's like a bunch of cool little mom and pop restaurants and Mexican deli markets and stuff like that. It's amazing. That's I lo- awesome. I love the food. It's my, one of my favorite things about South San Francisco. I love Italian little like meat markets. Oh, yeah. You know, they sure. always just have like the best prosciutto. The oh, best yeah, and, yeah. Like, You make prosciutto, don't you? Or I you do, make yeah. Salami, prosciutto, Copa, you Lonza, all kinds of sausages. Right? Yeah. What what made you get into that? Sorry, we got shrimp shrimp sitting here, so we're eating shrimp well, too. Yeah. Uh what made me get into it other than just liking to eat too much food was Isn't it good? Yeah, I my mom made some locks, like salted salmon grav locks, and I was uh-huh. like, Oh, that looks easy. I did that and then the next thing I was like, Well, I could make bacon. Bacon can't be hard, and I looked up how to make bacon, and that's easy as hell, too. It's basically almost the same as making locks. Mm-hmm. And then I went down the the proverbial rabbit hole, as they say, and uh, I made a bunch of sausage. I started making a copa, which is like the, the sh- front shoulder meat off a pig, and uh, lonza, which is a back strap off a pig or the loin. Mm-hmm. 
make making those and then some people uh my cousin gave me some venison and i made basically uh venison bresala bresala is kind of like kind of like lonza but uh with beef and so it works great with game meat really quick when you're like so if i go to the grocery store and i buy a pound of hot copa yeah that's shoulder yep that's that's sliced thin yeah aged and dried yeah like pork if, shoulder if you buy a pork shoulder which is also known as a boston butt mm-hmm. it's off of the the shoulder and if you were cut that piece in half you'll see the the same muscle and fat pattern as is in the little slice of copa when you get it really yep that's crazy yeah i've never done aging and drying meats i mean oh, i've yeah. had i've had you you've made some uh, i made venison salami venison salami yeah. for me which yeah. was Amazing. Unfortunately, my venison had been cut with, I think, 10% beef fat or 8% beef, beef fat, fat, which when you make that into a salami, it leaves a very uh, greasy. Yeah, like that film in your mouth. Yeah, like yeah. A, a fatty grease film yeah. throughout yeah. on your palate, which yeah. is just, I mean, it is what it is. I still ate, the, <laughs> I, I ate all of it because right. it's fucking delicious. Yeah, but. it's delicious. It just leaves that kind of funky, funky film. Yeah. For sure, and then I th- venison fat would do the same thing too. Um, mm-hmm. So if you if you really if you're doing salami, you need to get pork fat in you there. You need to get pork fat. But I was reading that caribou fat doesn't have that chemical in it, or trigl- it's like a triglyceride or something. I'm not sure exactly offhand, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have that. So if you eat the fat, like you can make bacon out of it and stuff like that, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't have that greasy mouth coat. Mm-hmm. So one day, one day we gotta kill a kill a caribou and well, we talked about it before yeah we did i'm still into that don't worry about it man i'll eat i'll eat food if flies have crawled on me. i will too i, I ain't worried but about i it. just always i have this compulsion to dust them, them away, away. Yeah. <laughs> we're out here fanning off we have shrimp that we're eating <laughs> there's fucking shrimp is delicious yeah but uh yeah, man, it's all—it's just always so fascinating to me, like those Italian style mm-hmm. dried meats, yeah, aged meats. I just because I'm I'm a I love prosciutto, yeah, absolutely love it. I love hot copa, right? Yeah, I love salami, like yeah, salami peanut butter sandwich is my favorite go-to. Oh yeah, you turned backpack. me on for that. Yeah, did you have you had that before? I've done it. Uh, I mean, I've eaten it. Like a long time ago, my dad would eat salami peanut butter sandwiches. Uh huh. Um, but then you're like, yo, you got to put them in the, put them in your pack hunting because they last forever. They last forever. Yeah. So especially if you use potato bread. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But um, yeah, the last couple of years on the elk trips and stuff, I make a salami and peanut butter sandwich one one for every day. Mm-hmm. And that's my mid midday meal. Nice. Yeah. Gets you through the day. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Day 10, they taste the same as they do day one. <laughs> Salty, sweet. Yeah. A little bit of carbs thrown in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? You, get, you get the protein, the salt, the sugar, the carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get it all. It's awesome, man. So my last two podcasts, I think I've forgotten to introduce the guest. All right. And they haven't been released yet, but they will be shortly. So, Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Croce, uh, friend of Andy's for a couple of years now. Yeah, we've and known each other for, I almost want to say four or five years yeah. when we first started bullshitting. Yeah, 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 for you know, sure. Because I was trying to drag you out hunting with me 
Yeah, we had some. For at least two years before we actually, for two seasons before right. we actually got to go right. hunt for a season together. Yeah, yeah, some some miscommunications and and work schedules and uh I'm so glad not to have a work schedule right now. COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you seen that dicks out for COVID hashtag? I haven't yet, no. <laughs> I have not. All I, The only dicks out memes that I've seen lately is Woods dick out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw a thing. Uh, it was a guy with a sign that said, if wearing a mask is, if being told to wear a mask is unconstitutional, so is being told to wear pants. Hashtag dicks out for COVID. <laughs> Jesus, that's epic. That's yeah. so funny. So you're Jeff. Yeah, I'm Jeff. Uh, We've known each other for quite some time. F- yeah, for a few years now. Um, I'm a, a novice hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into hunting. Uh, because I wanted something different to do after obsessing about spearfishing for years and years and, uh, hunting, hunting deer and stuff like that seemed like the equivalent of hunting open ocean, archery, big hunting. game fish. Yeah. Archery hunting specifically. I, yeah. I mean, I like shooting a bow a lot, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not tied to that. I would, I would shoot an animal with a, with a rifle, with a rifle, which mm-hmm. I've done a couple of times, a yeah. couple, couple pigs, but yeah. Um, the bow fascinates me because it's so magical. <laughs> it's so magical. I never understand it. Yeah, seriously, man. <laughs> Archery hunting is so much fun. Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone the other day about they've never hunted in their life. And one of their first questions to me, which was a bizarre question, I've never been asked this. And now the guy who I was speaking with was a Brazilian native. Okay. And, you know, came here to, to work. And, uh, we were sitting down having a conversation here. He was like, so is shooting an animal with a bow like killing a human? <laughs> I was like, what? Like, how do you even, yeah. how do you go with it? You know, but like at the same time, it's an uneducated person who has no idea. And by uneducated, I mean they're uneducated about hunting. Right, yeah, of and course. And what hunting is about and what it's like. And the realities, their education of hunting is whatever, you know, media disney whoever tells right, or has taught him what he knows about it i i'm i'm always fascinated by people's perceptions of hunting um as you know i tattoo for a living so i sit there and i talk to people all the time and 99 percent of them don't hunt have never hunted well especially in the bay area yeah especially yeah in, in san francisco like i i'm I, i'm probably kind of an outlier like that but I find it really bizarre because so many people have these perceptions, which I don't understand and don't really understand how they come by them. But I find that people seem to accept the idea of hunting with a bow a lot more than they do hunting with a rifle. They find it more, quote, ethical. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Warped more perception, more fair chase in their mind or something weird. And I just don't get that because at the end of the day, you used an implement, a tool, to kill an animal, mm-hmm. you know, for food and. Well, let's let's put it really quick. Like, I'm gonna come up and stab you in the lung, right? Or I'm gonna shoot you. What's gonna probably be the quicker, more painless death? Yeah, the the gunshot is definitely gonna not drowning in a lung full of blood. Right. Yeah, the gunshot's gonna do the job a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But people seem to think that bow hunting is 
more ethical. Nicer and I'm not saying, and you know, sure, someone will probably be like, how are you going to say that? You know, but that's just the raw reality of hunting. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I, you know, and, and I've had this discussion with people and not, not like an argument or anything, but just talking, shooting the shit about it. Like really like, like to me, I don't see like a huge hierarchy of animals. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, I'm a total novice hunter. And so if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, I really don't. It's, that's just my thoughts. But, uh, like, if you kill a pig, to me, like a pig isn't more or less majestic than a deer. It's just a different animal. Mm-hmm. As long as the populations and, you know, health of those animals is secure and it's done in a legal and, you know, regular way, I don't, I don't register like an elk as like an elk is an elk and they're amazing and beautiful and delicious and everything. And I've never killed an elk, but I'm working on it. But I don't like look at that and go, well, that thing was more important than another thing because of some, I don't have that perception. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like, I don't look at like one thing I I really, really find is like people put fish a lot, a lot below mammals. Oh, well it's just a fish or whatever. But when you spear, say, a yellowfin tuna and you, you know, you're holding on to it, that thing was a swimming, moving, living thing. It's breathing. Breathing. Yeah. Its heart's beating with warm, warm blood. And to me, that, because it doesn't have a nose like a, like a mammal and legs and arms or just legs, doesn't make it less like it's not it's not on a lower totem pole it's not lower on the totem pole than, than as far as an an yeah as yeah. far as the animal world goes yeah yeah, yeah. It's, but i don't know i'm rambling no i get it though i totally understand what you're saying we're you know how are you going to say that it's okay to do this but it's not okay to do that when right. it's at the end of the day you're actually taking something's life it right. is no longer going to be doing anything in any food chain and it is actually becoming a staple of our food chain of what we're eating yeah absolutely right? yeah or it's like when someone comes to me and they're like oh i only eat chicken <laughs> and it's like well why do you only eat chicken well it's the healthiest meat and i'm like motherfucker what like you're gonna tell me that you only eat chicken and you don't want to eat red meat but like chicken you know and a lot of circumstances, like some of the most inhumane meat that's actually raised. Yeah, inhumane, full of weird shit. Hormones, fucking right. yeah. triple-breasted, triple-legged, <laughs> fucking right. five-winged birds just so they could get the maximum the maximum amount of deformities on it for sale. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like marketing. It goes from an egg to a five-pound chicken in, yeah, I'm being facetious, but three yeah. weeks. Like, you know, it's... I don't know. People just come up with funny ideas, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm baffled by it. I, I I love it because it 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 perplexes me, and I'm constantly like wondering about it. But then at the same time, I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Sometimes, <laughs> seriously. Sometimes I ask myself, what the fuck am I talking about? Also, but yeah. I'm so okay. you loved spear fishing, yeah, right? You loved the ocean, yeah, absolutely. Swimming, yeah surfing California coast in it essentially yeah California right. coast and then you know 
uh, big game hunting and and you got into other, big game hunting. Uh, well, I mean for ocean fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, I I kind of distinguish the the open ocean stuff versus the like bottom fish, like rockfish, halibut, and all of like our our, our general local stuff, mm-hmm. and then big game open ocean stuff. Tuna. What's the biggest fish you've ever speared? I speared a 302-pound black marlin. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a little over 10 feet from tip to tip. Um, Did you get it out of the water? Yeah. yeah Are yeah. you kidding? Yeah, yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kicking along. I'll, I'll, t- I'll just I'll yeah, t- I'll tell, tell the you, story. I'll tell I want to hear this. Yeah. Because like, I can envision that what it looks like underwater. Mm-hmm. I can see it sort of. But, like, I want to hear – that sounds like total chaos. It's pretty amazing. Um, so we were we were diving these rocks, uh, some pinnacles off of Puerto Vallarta. I, I believe they're about 50 miles out of Puerto Vallarta. And it's – Sleeping uh, on a boat or are you going out every day? Going out every day. Okay. Um, and – the the three rocks i think the shallowest one is about 50 feet and and um the deeper ones maybe 70 80 feet something like that i could be a little bit wrong free diving or free diving yeah free dive. yep just a mask and snorkel and a, a thin wetsuit to keep the um the sun and jellyfish from stinging you and then so generally what happens is you jump in the water and you have your spear gun and there's different ways, but the way that I do it, there's the spear gun with a uh, hundred feet of stretchy line, and then some buoys. And so. And now, do you clip off to the buoys after you hit your target? Yeah. After, Is that how that works? Yeah. After okay. you after you've uh, shot the fish and it takes off, and then you, depending on the fish, you know, if it takes off and takes everything with with it, then you you follow it until you can get your hand back on the buoys. But we so we were you get in the water up upstream of. Uh, the the high spots because the bait tends to um, uh, aggregate upstream in the current and then we were looking specifically for yellowfin tuna so I would dive down to about 40 feet hold my breath as long as I could then go back up catch my breath go back down hold it go back up and then if you see tuna you that's great cardio it is great cardio you go after them and on the previous drift I had seen a few tuna behind the the pinnacle in the deeper water i if i'm not mistaken it's maybe a couple hundred feet deep there um so a lot of that diving like diving for tuna can be really boring because a lot of it you're just diving in blue water and you don't see much you see drifting particulates and if there's no fish around you start to like really like hallucinate that you're seeing shit because there's <laughs> jellyfish and yeah you, you know if you if the water's really clear and you look over and you see your buddy and he's like a hundred feet away and he's like poking a jellyfish with his index finger you know that it's you're you're not doing shit but anyway so i was hanging upside down um at about 20 feet uh just looking down into the blue hoping to see a glimpse of some uh fish passing underneath me Mm -hmm. and this marlin came up almost straight up from the dark blue water and um i looked at it and i was kind of i had a a little bit of hesitation about shooting a bigger marlin because i had heard some stories about how they don't possibly don't taste that great and um i was all uh and but then i i had had some marlin also smoked mostly and i was like this is going to be okay and i I looked and it was a black marlin you can tell by the way their pectoral fins are Mm -hmm. um 
and I had heard better stuff about that. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. And it kind of came up and started to angle away from me a little bit of a quartering away shot. And, uh, I gave a couple kicks towards it and pulled the trigger and my spear hit it and it just exploded, just took off running. And I hit the surface again, just in time to see my floats making some big rooster tails on the surface and then disappear under the water. Uh -huh. Um, and I signaled the boat and the boat came over to me and I climbed in the boat and we couldn't find the floats for not very long. I mean, it probably felt longer than a lot longer than it was, but it was, you know, a, probably a minute or so at the most. So when you're looking for the floats, you're sitting in the back of the boat. Are you using binoculars or are you just kind of scanning? You're just scanning. To I mean, see if, if the float pops up. Now, how big of a float are we talking so about? I have two floats on, on for my rig for that is two floats there are uh, 11 liters they're probably about 10 inches thick and two feet long mm -hmm. they're linked together and then behind that's a 35 liter inflatable float um and it blows up like a car inner tube and it's it's about as maybe 16 inches in diameter and two and a half feet long uh-huh um and they're all bright yellow and like safety orange. So when they pop up on this blue water surface, you can see them from a long ways away. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when you're saying that, all I all I envision is like jaws hanging off the front bow of the boat. Just <laughs> you know, they stick jaws and jaws takes off with 55 gallon drums. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, like the the big big fish when they start pulling those floats, they make a big a 10 foot long fish. I can't even fucking imagine, dude. Yeah, they they make a big rooster tail, especially like something that swims really fast like a or and like and closer to the surface like oftentimes marlin do or wahoo. Like when you shoot tuna, they just go straight down. You shoot it and all you see is a flash where it flips and goes straight to the bottom. And you just see your floats go down, disappear a lot of times. Um, and then you just look for them to come up. But with the marlin and and wahoo, you'll see them. They'll just be ripping on the surface like six-foot-high rooster tails coming off the back of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we with the floats popped up and they were blazing. And uh, we drove the boat over there. And I, like you said, I clipped off my float line to the floats. And you basically have a tensioner. You tension it with one hand and then you pull with the other hand while you're swimming mm -hmm. and you got to be real careful that you um, keep all of the excess line away from you because if there's any kind of mishap and a, a big fish especially I mean even a 50 pound fish is dangerous but a 300 pound fish is extra and if you have loops of line and you get tangled up and the fish gets loose and you know drag you down and drown you yeah um, so yeah I just kept uh, you know took me maybe 45 minutes to uh, to hand line it up to the floats. And then from between the, the bungee or float line and the actual spear is approximately 30 feet of 700-pound test stainless steel cable. Oh, God. Um, I'll catch you real quick. Yeah, it's real thin, too. It's 16th-inch diameter. Mm -hmm. um, so I clipped that off, and it was just kind of doing this, like, snaky swim about as fast as I could possibly swim and I was getting real careful like I kind of worked the the fish up to me you're you're wearing heavy gloves too not like just neoprene um like work gloves and I worked I worked the fish up till it was towards the surface and it was still swimming too much and my buddy who was more experienced than I he uh he swam over to me and he was like let it go it's too dangerous I was like, okay, so then I was just holding on to the floats, kind of kicking, so I wouldn't put too much pressure because you don't want the spear to rip out. 
um, you know, you, you can imagine like if you shot a deer with your bow and then you grabbed onto the end of the arrow, if it was still hanging out one side, Yeah. you know, uh, same similar principle. Um, so I don't want to put too much pressure and it's just kind of kicking along, kicking along, kicking along. And it slowed down a little bit and, uh, I started to work it up again and the same guy came over and was like, Hey, that fish is still too hot. That's really dangerous. Don't do that. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. And then he, he grabbed his gun off the boat and swam over to me with it. And, uh, he was like, just second shoot it. So I swam down on its level, um, and put a spear through its brain. Oh, really? Yep. And it, uh, when you, a lot of times when you spear a fish in the spine or the brain, it'll turn colors, uh, either in front of or behind the fit, uh, the spear. Uh huh. Um, and the fish turned real, the head turned just jet black and the body went all silver. Really? Just rolled over. Yeah. Now, why do you know why that is? Or, you know, they do a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's communicating, but for lack of a better word, communicating, you know, like really fired up Marlin will flash really blue and silver and stuff or with like big black bars on them. And I guess sometimes it's displays of, you know, aggression or. Mm-hmm. something like that anyways when you when you cut those nerves they they get yeah they fire they get weird color stuff goes on yeah um but yeah it turns head turned black and it's the, from the shoulders back it turned all silver and kind of rolled over and swam it, it up to the boat it was done yeah i swam over like just kind of grabbed it like i mean it was, I mean, it was just so big when i when i grabbed it i couldn't put my arms around it uh-huh um like at, at the shoulder and then I just like held it in the water for a few minutes. I was like, just like, it was amazing. Like its eye was like as big as a silver dollar, if not bigger. Wow. And, and like the, the bill, like I had never seen a bill up close, I don't think. And the bills are covered with little tiny, like lumpy teeth things all over, really like super abrasive. And I don't know. I just was like in awe. It was just so big and amazing. Like there was just like, I just had to sit there probably, for, I was probably drifting for 15 minutes, just kind of inspecting it. And like then taking it all in. Yeah, taking it in, just kind of being in that moment. Like, And there's no one there taking photos or video of you doing this. No, I got some photos. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what I'm getting at is that you weren't doing that. You weren't taking 15 minutes with this for the gram. No, no, I just was like, no. You were just, like, in awe. Yeah. I, I mean, I was in, like, I was 100% focused. Uh-huh like on everything that I needed to do from the moment I saw that thing until I touched it. And when I touched it, it was kind of like when I, like I killed the first deer I killed, like I had to like stop and look at it. And like, I got kind of emotional and like, it was just a little overwhelming. Uh, and so, yeah. And so it's, I got a, some of my friends or a couple, one of my friends grabbed a camera and jumped in the water and, um, and took some photos and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and then, uh, no video. I don't think I never, I've never much one for video. I think I like still photos better. I, mm-hmm. I think to me, video, it has its place and it's, it's fantastic. And I love watching videos, but for, I kind of think like sometimes better with uh, photos, you capture those moments like differently, mm-hmm. like the light and everything. It's less transient. Like it, you know, it just captures those moments. So, um, yeah. And then we put it in the boat and 
uh, gutted it, gilled it. Um, you know, if you really want to have good fish, you got to cut the guts out, gill them. You know, if you're able to uh, bleed them out, um, bleed them out, and then pack the gut cavity full of ice and and pack them in ice as much as you can. Um, we had some big soft coolers on the boat for mm -hmm. like for big game fishing and. Uh, and I realized that the reason people say marlin tastes like shit is because they don't take care of it and get a it's guy. It's like game, dude. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if you killed, like, just an epic mule deer and then you put it in the back of a truck with its guts in it for three hours and then <laughs> hung it by its antlers on a tree in the sun and took pictures of it for another three hours in 100-degree heat, like what that thing would taste like? <laughs> with its fur still on it? Yeah, with its fur still yeah, on it. But that's what people not do. It's going to be that good. Yeah, that's what people do. They they put it, they catch a marlin that's on the boat till they, while they fish the rest of the day. Then they take it back to the dock and hang it on the dock and take photos with it and let Excuse other people me. take photos of yeah. it and all of that shit. By the time they even cut it up, it's been in 100-degree heat for six hours. And, and it's hot it, down there. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah. So, of course, it tastes like shit. Puerto Vallarta is beautiful. Yeah, I love that place. Me too. Uh, I'm, I miss going there. Actually, we were talking to a couple of friends and I uh, possibly going there about a year from now exactly. Really? Yeah, if you want to go. Keep you, me posted, if dude. You wanna, if Let you want to. Let me know the price tag and keep me trial posted. Trial by fire. Cheaper than hunting. That's for fucking cheap. Dude, shit. I'll just go for fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that to me sounds so amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and my, uh, my uncle kind of has been like, hey, you should get an underwater body for your camera. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like an for underwater sure. case for your camera. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, uh, I, I kind of really want to dive into that realm just because the amount of beauty that is underneath our sea is insane. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, especially like when you're like when you're in to me, like one of those moments, like when you're in blue water and it's deep and you can't see anything. And then you hit like the, the rise in the reef and there's like just walls of bait just hitting, like going through those walls. It, Unreal. It, yeah, unreal. It always it always blows my mind. You're showing me pictures. Check that out. Is that with the spear in it? Yeah. That's after it's dead. So or is that not? No, just that's right when I st so this is the this is the spear that killed it the second time. Yeah. And then this Well, cuz I'm looking at the head. The head is black and the body's silver, which is Yeah. what you were saying. And then you see that other black mark yeah. right there with the white that's the white what, is the first shot. Okay. And then that line coming across it is the line from the spear. Uh-huh. And then you can see really, you yeah. can see a black. Oh, okay. I see it. So the, the spear, instead of like an arrow, there's, there's different kinds, but the one I use for big game, instead of like an arrow with the broadhead just on the end, mm -hmm. the, the tip detaches and there's two feet of like a 1,400-pound test spectra braid. Really? Connecting to the tip. That way when it, it comes off that spear comes sideways on the far side of the fish mm -hmm. and can't pull back through yeah or if it catches on bones on the inside or something like yeah. that whereas if it's just like this like with the with the flopper sometimes the flopper can get pinched back and it can just slip back slip out right out so for smaller yeah. fish that's fine but yeah. for really big it's i never really did a bunch of, of uh using a spear gun yeah i was always a big hawaiian sling yeah guy. yeah three prong guy oh loved yeah. it dude Absolutely loved it. And, I mean, I only messed around off the coast of Fort Bragg. Yeah. Russian Gulch. And yeah, oh, my God, dude. That's so huge. Is that you? Yeah. 
<laughs> way huge, too. You just don't even look like you, bro. I know. I was way fatter. That's so funny, man. Like, you're se- well, you're clean shaven, too, I oh, think, yeah, which is yeah, that, super baby face is what oh, I'm looking oh, at. Oh, yeah. Well, I was also, what, what, I was also like 40 pounds fatter, maybe. Oh, really? 30, 35 pounds, yeah. Oh, wow. The funny thing was I, I could dive the best when I was the fattest. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why is that new, reckon? Maybe I was just doing it more. I don't know. When I lost weight and I like got tighter, I think my muscles were in my core are tighter now. Uh-huh. And my, my chest doesn't expand the same way and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, I could probably get back into it, but. That's interesting. You know, I mean, my my uncle, who's obviously a diver. Yeah. Um, he's a really big guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't mean fat, but I mean like he is wide. Barrel chested. Broad, yeah. Broad shoulder, barrel chested. You know, really big guy. And I, I wonder, I'll have to ask him about that, if that, you know, if you lose weight and, and if that can, you know, if yeah. you're shrinking your capacity of your body or something. I don't know. I, I feel like. I don't know what I'm talking about, no, so no, I'm kind of making it up as I go along. I feel like when I exercise mm-hmm. and my core gets stronger, it makes the muscles in between my ribs tighter. Which is I, short, which is limiting your lung expansion. Yeah, Got yeah. It. But when I'm fat and flabby, I could take really big breaths. <laughs> you can breathe deeper because yeah, there's not as much muscle in there. It's it, a little bit more yeah, uh, yeah, it's not malleable. Mu- yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it's like spearfishing is like the opposite. Like you want everything to be slow and relaxed and, mm-hmm. you know, you can have super strong legs and that's really all you need. Yeah. You know, if you can swim for eight hours with fins. My buddy Andrew always tells me about when he goes out to the channel Islands yeah i was eight the channel Islands. Guy. yeah yeah down there and and uh he always just tells me about you know just sitting there and floating yeah and looking down yep. and that's all he's doing yeah and he just becomes a part of the ocean yeah and he's like that's the biggest key for me is just yeah becoming a part of the ocean now mind you he's very experienced and skilled with that yeah becoming a part of his environment to attack but yeah you know it's you know, it's just really neat, I guess, to hear that uh, being an archer and a rifle hunter, right? And making the uh, comparison. Yeah, I, I it it's funny because, like, in the ocean, like doing that sort of thing, I'm a little out of practice right now, and I would definitely feel a little awkward for a day, maybe. But I would get that back really fast. But I feel like on land in like in hunting situations, a lot of times I feel kind of clunky. Like, and I, I, you know, like watching you a few times and stuff, like you're heading out with your pack and stuff. Like when we were up in the wilderness, like I was like, Oh, that he, like he's got a lot more flow than I do. (laughs) I don't even notice. Yeah. You don't notice because you're just, that's just how you are. Yeah. You're used to it. But like, you know, when I see guys, you know, when people are in their element and they're, they're masters of their trade they you know but when you're just like looking at it like oh here i am <laughs> like i'm a beginner and like i'm you know that's me in the ocean <laughs> a little for sure a little clunky but right yeah if we you know do any good trips or something you know you're 100 percent invited hell yeah that'd be so much fun I, man. I took a i took a buddy out to the uh cortez bank he had never done anything really you probably have done more than him and we threw him in the ocean. He's like, I didn't know you guys were just going to throw me in 100-foot <laughs> deep water. And I, he's like, I don't know what to do. Open sea, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, so was that ever anything that fucked with you going into the open ocean and, like, sharks? Did that not 
that's like going into the woods and anticipating bears. And I'm sure that it's probably along those same lines as percent of encounter. Yeah. Right. As, as it bears depends and on sharks. where you are. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, but like, if you go to grizzly country, you're going to fucking be, you're right. going to get into some bears. If you go to, you know, if you go out here off the coast, I mean, let's go, let's go dive the Farallons. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. What's our likelihood of seeing some, yeah, a lot, a, a lot some great whites? White, you know? I never, I never had a white shark encounter. Uh-huh. Like we we're in Panama and, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of sharks. Um, yeah. You know, if you shot a fish, there was a good chance it was going to, if you didn't get it up to you immediately, it was going to get eaten up. Yeah. We weren't shooting anything big and the sharks weren't big, but you know, Six sharks will vaporize a 30-pound fish, and just like that. Yep. yep. Boom. There you It's pretty exciting. It's pretty fun to do, to be honest. If you Fun fact about sharks. The last new shark species found on the planet is named after my uncle. No shit. I swear to God. Oh, that's awesome. What yeah. is it? Do you know? The Giddings Eye. Giddings Eye. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know how it's spelled. But that's the scientific name. I'm pretty sure. The, yeah, yeah. The Giddings Eye. It's it's a pretty His neat. His last name's chart. Giddings. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably G I D D I N G S I. Probably. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because he he was huge with with the white sharks, um, right, off the coast of California and all that kind of stuff. So it's just I always love shark stuff. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly, dude. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah, they're cool, and I think I, I I mean I don't have any bear experience either, but like when people talk about uh, you know like how grizzlies are like acting or whatever, because they mm-hmm. do like some big like hunching up shit and stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. and sharks do the same thing. They they put their pectoral fins down, kind of like if you're like flexing your pecs. Yeah, and they hunch their back up. Really? Yeah. Like they're about to fuck you up. Yeah, they they and they kind of they get this swagger. Like really? They, they start shouldering with their, you know, basically what amounts to a fish shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but they start shouldering and they, their fins go like instead of sticking straight out the side at a, a a deeper angle down and their backs hunch up and they look bigger. They look bigger, yeah, and yeah. they they start like a cat. They get yeah yeah and they get they get a swagger in their swim and stuff and then you, that's you, so crazy. You know you got to keep an eye on them. I'd love to look that, that up and like see. I'm sure there's videos oh, on yeah, youtube for sure, for sure that'd be so neat to see not in real life right. uh, one of the biggest things me and matt house used to talk about this a bunch we always used to look for uh it's actually how heather bailey and i ended up meeting each other matt and i were talking about going in the cage dive mm-hmm. for great whites mm-hmm. off the coast of san diego and heather was like oh you should talk to my dad blah 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 and this and that and the other thing there's a whole long story there that i don't need to go into but uh that was one thing i've always wanted to do is go cage diving with with some white sharks yeah like i gnarly shit dude i i had uh, an opportunity um that i'm i blew which i'm i was i don't have a lot of regrets in life but this one is a definitely a regret and I, i had an opportunity to go to guadalupe island off of baja which is a popular cage diving uh place um to hunt tuna and yellowtail yeah and uh it's a i think it's a couple days boat ride from san diego each way and uh when you're down there to spearfish you're guaranteed to have like big white shark encounters and stuff like that how cool 
I mean, how crazy, but and cool, creepy, but cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. And some some dudes I kind of know have been down there and like rode on white shark backs and stuff. And really, yeah. And uh, I had so I had an opportunity to go with these guys, and then I got another opportunity to go to to Mexico, and I took the Mexico one mostly because it was quite a bit less money. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, ah, oh, fuck the money. I would have rather had that experience. Yeah. And, uh, it, it would have been with some some dudes I was I I admire in spearfishing and stuff. So I really 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 want to go to Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Tahiti I think would be a beautiful beautiful place to go free diving. Oh yeah, for sure. You know? Super duper clear. I mean, and- yeah, it's just everything that I've ever heard about it is just the most unreal, beautiful water conditions. Yeah, and the Tahitians are. Everything that I've ever heard, it might be different now, but everything I've ever heard, they're just like bar none, some great human beings. Yeah, yeah, you I've, know, I've heard that too. You can get them to take you pig hunting with spears or something too. Right, that would yeah. be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, Tahiti, I, dude. When I lived in Hawaii, I, my neighbor was a Tongan guy, and he had all these amazing stories about how they would, uh, when he was a teenager and in his twenties and stuff, they'd hunt boar with. Uh, a, like a big thrusting spear. No way. Yeah, they would get right up on them and and uh, get in there. Yeah, they would just you know <laughs> get them from three feet away. Yeah, like let you know get them out there charging them or you know corner them and yeah you know with basically a double thick broom handle with a sharp end and. I used to want to spear hunt for deer in California, and the way I had gotten there was I'd killed a few deer with a scope rifle. I killed a deer with a iron sight, and I think. It was on, like, my eighth buck that I had killed with my bow. And I was like, it's just not as challenging anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to increase the challenge. Mm-hmm. So I started looking up atlatls and mm-hmm. getting into atlatl, you know, atlatling. Yeah. Or, you know, like. <laughs> atlatling. <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. they want to call it, yeah. you know. And I, I really was like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get good at it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to take a deer with an atlatl. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I have 100% faith in the fact of my ability being able to complete that. And then I looked into the laws and regulation, and California was like, nope. I mean, is it legal anywhere? <laughs> I have no idea, but I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, Maybe somewhere back east for whitetail. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. They might have less regulation about, like, yeah, that kind of stuff. But they were just somewhere not. Somewhere where there's a white, eight whitetail in everybody's yard. Uh-huh. Like, you know, in Ithaca, where we go, it's like, it's like each yard has its own herd of whitetail, practically. <laughs> it's insane. But, I mean, that's why you can kill 20 a year. If you're yeah. That's in upstate. Upstate, yeah. 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 Ithaca, it's so, you're a tattoo artist. I am. So, what's that like? And and, and yeah, I want to, I want to, you know what, we're going to talk about this is the Dead Eye Minute. Sure. So, Dead Eye Outfitters absolutely great company they've got a really awesome line of shirts coming out and i, I have a little bit of uh, envy for your hat even He's, oh dude if you want some tell me man he has got a great uh dead eye elk hat on i'd be i'll be happy to send a box to you man Sick. um send some for your wife too yeah. and uh so anyways um they got their Memorial Day, the American socks, and then the uh, Wishes for Warriors T-shirts. They do this every year, where a dollar of every T-shirt goes to help fund Wishes for Warriors. Oh, awesome! And, um, Wishes for Warriors is a pretty good organization. They got a lot of really cool stuff, taking wounded vets, combat vets, 
uh, back into the field and, and re reteaching and repurposing their skills into hunting skills and mm-hmm. helping them maybe achieve their first animal or, you know, dreams that they weren't maybe sure that were going right. to happen again. Yeah. So for me, it drives me nuts. I hate when somebody's like, oh, that tattoo gun. <laughs> like, you know, and, yeah. and I mean, I'm extensively, exactly. I'm, I'm extensively tattooed, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I've been getting tattooed for a long time, you know? So for people that want to go get tattoos that maybe are on the edge or maybe are on their fence, right? right. And, and they're going to go have a tattooer use their tattoo machine right. and give them a tattoo. What would you recommend to people? As far as what they're looking for, and like, I mean, I, and I'll talk about what was recommended to me when I started. After you know, you say, but what would you recommend to someone who's going to get their first tattoo, or nervous about it, or kind of not really sure? What what it, what would you look for? I would say the number one thing is look for somebody who does something similar to what you want. Mm-hmm. So, if you want a tribal armband. Look for the guy who does amazing tribal armbands. Mm-hmm. If you want a Japanese phoenix, look for a person who does really good Japanese stuff. Don't say, I want a phoenix, but I like this guy who does color portrait realism's colors. Because that guy who does color portrait realism probably isn't going to do a great Japanese tattoo. <laughs> But and and vice versa, the guy who yeah yeah. But I get a lot of times like, like for me, a real common thing is people will. They'll go like, oh, I really like this color that you do, and I want this other thing, and I'll be like, well, I don't really do that, and they're like, yeah, but I like your color, and I'm like, well, that's fine, I appreciate it, but I don't really do that thing, and it's just you know, so that that's my number one. Uh, my number one recommendation. The other recommendation is don't try to art direct the whole project. Like have a good concept, find a person who does a good job of the kind of stuff that you want, give them your concept and let them do the best thing that they can do. Well, and and there's a reason why you're a tattoo artist, right? You're the artist, right? Right. Yeah. And, but you know, too often times people, a lot of it comes from nervousness and maybe they just micromanage the process. Yeah. The more, the more, the more people micromanage the process, the less interest the tattooer is probably going to have and the end result's going to suffer for it usually. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the two number one in my pieces of advice. For sure. For dead eye minute. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, and the way it was put to me um, by my buddy Nathaniel was like, when I first wanted to get tattooed, I was like 17 or mm-hmm. 18 talking to him about it. And, and he was like, you know, don't go to any hole in the wall shop. Find a shop with an artist that you like their style. They've been tattooing for a number of years. Yeah. They have a good reputation on doing good tattoos. Yeah. And it's like what you said, this the style that you are looking for as an individual. Right. Right. And then have that person tattoo you and develop a relationship with yep. your tattooer. Don't go to like somebody shows up at a party and they're like free tattoos for everybody that's here. Or, like, you, you know, know like, that's going to suck. Dude, <laughs> five years from now, free tattoo. 99% of the time is going to look fucked up. 
out. Like, yeah, it's going to be crappy. And- you know, and, like, I'm super fortunate. Like, I'll go places and people are like, dude, you have some really great tattoos. And I'm like, yeah, I paid a fuck ton of money for right. all of it. Yeah. You know, and that being because somebody had told me, don't go look for the guy that's $75 an hour. Go look for the guy that's booked out a year or a year and a half. Right. That's going to cost 150 at the time, right. 150 an yeah. hour, because that was an expensive tattoo. That's like going rate these days, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends a lot on on where you are, too. Like, oh, really? Like, San Francisco is very expensive, but San, everything is very expensive in San Francisco. I mean, Including rent. Including rent. Yeah. Fuck. Rent's going to go down after this shit, though, all these people getting laid off, this COVID-19 stuff. Right. Well, I think a lot of people in San Francisco are going to rethink their life about living in a fucking shoebox. Right. Living in a shoebox for four grand a month. Fuck uh, that, you know, dude. For the, for the, I'd rather eat a bullet, man. For the esoteric pride of working for a tech giant. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, I think uh, actually uh, one of my coworkers who li- does live in a small apartment in the city. This apartment's pretty nice, though. But he's taken photos of the people moving out of the buildings around him that he can see from his window. No way. <laughs> yeah, it was like I think he's up to like four vacant apartments that he can see now. No way. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, because yeah. no income, man. No you income. Can't, people you can't are getting survive. laid off. They're moving back to Iowa or wherever they came from. Yeah. One of my buddies who's in the tech industry, um, he was like advertisement or some shit. Yeah. He's been stuck in Colombia? Central America, Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. For like since lockdown began. Whoa. And he can't get back to America. He's been down there for months. Well, Colombia is a pretty good place to get stuck, I imagine. I can't remember the name of where he is, but it used to be like... It's, it's it's right on the coast, and it used to be, like, the pirate hot spot oh, like yeah. back in the day. The, the amount of history that's in that yeah. part of the planet, you know, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, like, super, super rich, so he's loving every single second of it. Yeah. And they aren't really worried about COVID down there as no, much as you'd think. No, yeah, pretty few cases. I, I, I was looking. There's a, a website that has, like, all the COVID stats updated like every two minutes by country by country and then really state by state. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. It's actually, it's really interesting because you can see it like every day what changes and mm-hmm. it's, like I said, state by state. But um, uh, Nicaragua too, I was really surprised. Nicaragua has had like almost nothing. It's one of the, mm-hmm. you know, whereas Costa Rica, I guess just because it's more of a tourist destination maybe. Well, and I wonder... Because everybody has said that it's going to kind of taper off and die out with warmer weather coming. But, like, how many people close to the equator, how many places around the planet close to the equator have it or continuing to have it and have had warm weather this entire time? Yeah, the whole warm weather thing, I think, was a bit of misinformation. It was, you know. Fake news? Well, fake news extrapolated from other ideas and mm-hmm. you know I, flu season flu season yeah. basing it around that kind of ideology yeah and then even flu season i was listening to a really interesting program on npr about how flu season has changed and expanded and stuff and uh-huh. a lot of it has to do with like what people do indoors and the humidity indoors versus the humidity outdoors and you know it's based on human behavioral changes but i mean shit chicago's probably going into their warm season and they're getting like a thousand new people a day so Mm -hmm. 
Fuck, I, I don't. I don't fucking know. I know Charles. Charles got stuck in Argentina for a while. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah, he I, did that I, little bastard. I don't. I don't really know Charles much other than very casually. But you, mm-hmm. you probably talked to him about it a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. What do you have to say? Uh, he just honestly doesn't even want to talk about it anymore. He's just so sick of it. He's. Yeah. I mean, I talked to him a bunch while he was down there. I also talked with John a little bit while he was down there. Um, well, they were down there together. Uh, and it was a fucking nightmare, man. Yeah. Like, literally, when when Charles, if I remember the story appropriately or correctly, like, Charles arrowed his red stag mm-hmm. and got up to it as a vehicle was approaching where he was, and everybody that was at the hunting lodge was getting out of the vehicle coming up to him. And he is like, what the fuck is going on? Weird. And that was when he found out over his animal that yeah. everything is being shut down and you're going to be quarantined and stuck in Argentina for however long. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound too, I don't know. I just like, yeah, that, that right. could be stuck somewhere nice and beautiful and stuff a lot longer than I could be stuck some other places. Yeah, seriously. Shit, my friend, I was just talking to you via text yesterday. He lives in Chicago. Uh-huh. And he literally hasn't left his apartment in six weeks. Fuck that. Yeah. And he's he's a pretty outdoorsy guy, too, and stuff. And his his wife had moved to um, Colorado as a biologist for an internship. And they're trying to figure out where to go to get back together. And, you know, so he drove their car out there to her. And so he doesn't have a car in Chicago. And. Uh, people aren't staying indoors there. He said the streets look like a, a con- the street outside his apartment looks like a solid river of people no day way. in and day out. And just it, from people walking around? People, yeah, just going about their business. Wow. And, you know, they're having so many people getting sick every day there now. And well, he, what's so crazy about it is the transfer. Yeah. Right? Like, I could have it right now. I'm not saying I do, but right. I could have it right now. Right. And I would not know that I have it. I wouldn't get symptoms for, you know, up to 14 days. Right. And you may never get symptoms. And then and then I'm handing it off to everybody. I'm very actually happy. So I was with some fellas yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my buddies, and I, I've spent, a, you know, a couple of days with him throughout this whole entire experience. And he got a test that determined if he's even been exposed to right it. Uh, antibody test an antibody test yeah. and he has not been exposed to it which means i did not i yeah. which covers my base right yeah, right yeah. because i've like we hug each other when we see each other you know and like we're not you know like yeah we've been best friends since we were kids so right. you know it's it, it was nice to be like oh thank you for checking on my health for me. <laughs> right yeah it's uh it's been i don't you know it's been weird to even not you know just shake people's hands or when you you know if you see somebody or you know actively avoiding being too close to other people and shit like that it's gonna be weird that's gonna last a long time i think that's gonna make a societal change for a lot of people is 100 percent is people are gonna be a lot less uh, huggy i'm gonna hug everybody (laughs) i'm a hugger i know i am too i'm I'm a hugger dude uh, i like to you know like give me the embrace brother yeah no you know or sister right whatever yeah no i i agree it's gonna it's a little it's a little weird to just be like oh hey hi 
Hey, I'm in my uniform, tiny little bubble. Right. Yeah. I'm not that guy, man. Yeah. It's, I it's, cannot do that. It's it's hard, but you know, and live, laugh, love, man, and kill some people on the way. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and then it affects people close to you and stuff, and you're like, oh man, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, to wrap up a co the COVID conversation yeah, to, to wrap it up. Do you think that this is actually a Earth? created disease or do you think this is scientists in a laboratory creating a biological warfare weapon oh i'm going fully with it's just transfer from animal to to human to human yeah, yeah. i mean i you know my wife works in medical m- medical data analysis and mm-hmm. she's been busting her ass on this stuff for you know the last eight weeks and i i listen to the people who you know, I'm not trying to do the job of somebody who's mm-hmm. dedicated their life and and career to the study of such things. And the general consensus in the scientific community is it came from bats or pangolins or something. I forget now, but uh huh. And uh, excuse me, but, uh, the just ten, keep burping. The, the, uh, San Pellegrino, or as my our old shop guy used to say, San Peasy. Yeah, San Peasy. He's uh, a British dude, San Peasy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know. It, I'm not going to, I don't want people to tell me how tattooing works and I'm not going to tell other epidemiologists and yeah. shit what they know is what I, what I read on the internet's better than what they know. For sure. One of my friends is, uh, on legal team for a medical company Yeah, and it is nonstop yeah, same. for this company. Yeah. Um, and they've told me some crazy shit. Yeah. Some seriously crazy shit. Yeah. And it's just all of it from, you know, back to December to now has just been so unreal. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I mean, without getting too into it, I mean, as my wife is always wanting to remind me, it's a new thing that nobody's dealt with before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had the flu. People have been studying the influenza virus for, you know, 400 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've been studying the current COVID virus for five months, or mm-hmm. you know, just there's it's, it's there's not a that, whole lot of uh, yeah. uh, on on this specific branch of right coronavirus. Right. Yeah, there's yeah, not a whole lot of studying on there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's there's might be a couple specialists here and there that know some things, but as far as global studying, there's yeah, I mean, limited. There's you know, you, you don't just learn about something that can do what this is doing in the course of five months <laughs> at all. Yeah. You, st- you know, a study a study. It's not just, yeah. You know, God ordained facts drop down on tablets or mm-hmm. whatever. So what's it like being an emotional therapist? <laughs> and the, you know, wor- working in the house of a thousand stories, right? Sometimes, sometimes can we say what tattoo shop you work at? Is yeah, that the shop I work at? It's called seventh son, uh, in San Francisco. Yep. Uh, seventh Son, like the um, Iron Maiden album, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been around for quite sh- a number of years. Over 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes you're an emotional therapist. and I man, mean, I would say 99% of the time. People tell you some really heavy stuff. When they're tattooed. When you're you, getting tattooed. When, when they're, they're tattooing. They're getting tattooed. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're tattooing somebody. I mean, if it's just a one-time thing, not so much. But it, when it's... Uh, bigger tattoos you spend a lot of 
hours in close proximity to people and get to chatting and people tell you some really heavy stuff sometimes. Gnarly shit. And, yeah. I mean, I know that I've told my tattoo artists. Yeah, yeah. Gnarly shit. And it's been my biggest form of therapy, which is why I'm right calling it to you as being an emotional therapist. Uh, right, yeah, you, you know. Uh, it's it's humbling. It, honestly, it's humbling that people trust you to confide the, the world to do the tattoo, let alone to you know harbor their secrets. Yeah, to tell you about their uh, you know the, all the the best shit and all the worst shit that's happened or is happening in their lives, and you know kind of get it out to you. It's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I said, it's humbling. I don't I don't know. <laughs> For me, it's it's funny and. You know, looking at my tattoos or, you know, whatever. Like, I can tell in my life the periods when I'm going through a lot of emotional distress and emotional pain Mm -hmm. because I will start getting tattooed again. Mm. And then, you know, it'll... it'll, You've been really happy lately. (laughs) I haven't been tattooed in a few years. I know, I'm saying. Uh, I mean, either that or I just keep getting canceled on, but... Yeah, there's that. (laughs) But uh, that's not me, by the way. I know, I know. you've never you've offered to tattoo me. You I know. know, I just. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I know. I... So, the you know, like when I when I get into like an emotionally sticky situation, the way that I've I have dealt with it a lot is like, I'll have tattoo ideas for, you know, numbers of years or months, you mm-hmm. know. Usually, I I won't get tattooed on a whim. Yeah. You know, I have one tattoo that I can say, this was on a whim. And that was a Matt House tattoo. And it says, I want your skull <laughs> on my um, across the stomach. Right, right. And uh, which is a Misfits song. Right, of course. Of course. And uh, that is my only... Like impulse, like I was going through a very shitty time that whatever. Mm -hmm. And I called Matt and was like, Matt, I want this tattoo. Do you have time to do it today? And I came up with it that day. And he was like, yeah. But for the most part, usually it'll take a year for me to get tattooed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On what I want to get. Yeah, it's it's nothing wrong with ever waiting on it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but... Do you have any hunting tattoos? No. Huh, interesting. I don't have any hunting tattoos. <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't say that that might be yeah. my closest. It's an antlerless buck skull. Yeah. You know, and and I got an antlerless buck skull because everybody gets an antlered skull. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like, I'm not trying to get an antlered skull <laughs> on me. That's like the skull of that buck I shot in New York, <laughs> right? Well, you know, it never like, had any. It was it was too small to ever have antlers. What I, I and it was it was Brian who's actually done a lot of my arm. We actually still yeah. have to. Yeah, today's his birthday. Today's Brian's birthday. Yeah. No way. I'm gonna have to tell him happy birthday. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So I just kind of wanted. I'm. I've always been against the grain kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. Not with the grain. Right. You yeah. know, I want to like <laughs> chaos and total discourse has kind of <laughs> been more, you know, like, like what, uh, what Brendan Burns said in the conservation direct video, you know, he's like, Kuyu's always been a disruptor and 
a lot of people will tell everybody if they've known me a long enough time that I've always been a disruptor. And, yeah. You know, and I just kind of like, you know, like, oh, you know, why don't you get an antlered skull? I'm like, no, dude, that's not like. Antlers make the tattoo really hard a lot of times, too. Well, and it's like, I mean, you can make it three-dimensional, kind of. Yeah. You know, but it's not. See that moose I did on that dude's chest? I think so. You sent, I think he's, you sent me pictures going, while you were doing it. That yeah. That was really fun. Yeah, antlers is kind of, like, it's a lot of times it's really hard to do a good antlered skull where the antlers don't look gimpy. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way they fit on people. Like, you know, you put a deer skull on a guy's arm and the antlers wrap all the way around to the wrong side and fills up Overlap the spa- each other. On yeah, the phase up, fills up the space weird or some crap like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that makes it difficult for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you... Uh, I mean, I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> oh, great. Here we go. Go for it, dude. No, I was going to say, what like, what, what's going to go on with hunting stuff for you? What, this year? Yeah, in general. What, do you, what's, what, what are you excited about now? What's the new thing? I don't thing? talk about any of it. I'll talk to you about it off mic. Really? Okay. I'll tell you about it off mic. Oh, sure, I, sure. I, I, I'm like... Oh, that's fucking sick! I don't think you did send me this. Uh, it's a moose. It's a it's a tattoo just for the listeners of uh, a big bull moose across the. God, side. that looks so good, man. Upper torso. Wow, it's a lot of black. A lot of black, yeah. It's strong. Yeah. The eye on it is so good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was. That's a good. I really like that tattoo. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of my favorite recent ones. Um, but yeah, I don't, I I don't, I always feel like you're going to jinx it sometimes, man. And and that's why I, like, I used to be more vocal about what was going down or coming up or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, the difficulty for me with social media is getting ripped off. Yeah. Right. Which, um, is retarded. You know, like, I don't understand that kind of stuff. Like, you're so unoriginal that you're going to go rip people off. From Instagram. For their idea. For, you know, yeah, and yeah. Be like, whatever. But, um, and then I just don't want to jinx it. Like, yeah. if I start talking something up and, oh, this is going to be so great. And then, and then I fail at it. Like, I'd rather fail at it and then be like, I totally failed at it and I was really right. pumped yeah. and tell you after. Right. But to like try to talk a really big game and then fail at it, like yeah. there's so much ego in that and that's just not me, man. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not that driven, you know. Right, like, sure. I'd rather fucking, and it's just so much more fun to be like, what the fuck is this guy going to do next? Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, even I at, wonder that. I know you pretty well. <laughs> yeah, like you look at you look at my last year, and and even for me, you, you know, didn't like, even know what you were. Gonna I didn't do even next. know what I was doing. You know, in the next thirty days, I couldn't have told you the next yeah. thing. You know, it was just playing it by ear and and taking it as it came and eating shrimp and uh, last year I completed so many bucket list items yeah that i had wanted that were lifetime goals yeah i know not year goals fucking lifetime achievements that i wanted to achieve you know and and with the help of um quite a number of people Mm -hmm. um 
I was able to crush almost all of my hunting goals in a year from monster bucks to monster sheep, um, you know, to elk, yeah. to, to everything. Yeah. You know, to solo hunting, to hunting with other people. So many, I couldn't even, uh, sheep capture, yeah. you know, like yeah. transplanting sheep around the United States and getting to be involved in, in that because yeah. Conservation Direct, you know, at the end of the season, after New Year's, after sheep show, um, when when I was leaving Jake's house down in Southern California, I told Jake, I was like, this year wouldn't have been achievable without you allowing me to be along yeah. for the ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and And 100%, like so many of my goals that were accomplished, you know, were, were because Jake was like, hell yeah, man, come on. Like, you know, let's get after this. Mind you, Jake and I had built a friendship and a relationship for three years prior. Yeah, um, sure. To this year. But, uh, you know, I just, and I still haven't even wrapped my head around what last year was. Yeah. You know, and then to take it a step further, like, I haven't even been able to stop for enough time to be like, what's my next goal? Right. I just achieved lifetime goals, right. like several of them. And now what, like, what do I do next? <laughs> like, yeah. How do I, and cause I'm all about outdoing myself. Right. I'm not trying to outdo anybody else. I'm not trying to do, you know, anything for anybody else. I'm trying to outdo myself. I'm in competition against myself 24 seven every day of the week nonstop right yeah and i look at this year and i'm like man how do i how do i take last year and make this year bigger than last year like what you know that's and a it's a high bar to dude that's so like and, and how but that's my drive yeah that's that's how i'm gonna do it yeah because last year was such a was such a bar raising event that I have to do better to outdo myself this year yeah, than what I did last year. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, like, that's just, like, how you stay excited and alive. It's like... Oh, 100%. What's the next greatest adventure? <laughs> what's the next best adventure? I mean, for me, I think one of the highlights of last year, I mean, as far as especially, like, hunting-related stuff goes... My solo hunt in Idaho, even though I didn't get anything, was just awesome. I'm listening. Yeah. I'm going to go over here and pee really quick. Yeah. So keep talking, though. Yeah, keep going. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, I, I was there for four days, I think, with Paul. And then um, I was there six alone. And, you know, be, prior to that, I had only done, like, a couple days alone. Uh, and six alone is a lot a lot different than two days alone um and spe spending all that time just hiking and calling and looking for elk and stuff uh it was fantastic the funny thing about it though is a, a lot of people always ask me like oh were you introspective or you know you must have really like you know you really must have had revelations and stuff like that uh-huh and I'm always like, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. 
Yeah. I was like, I was nervous about it. I was nervous about being out by myself and, you know, how would I feel like hiking back to camp at night in the dark alone and in the bear woods in the bear woods. Well, there's no grizzlies. No, I know, but wolves making it dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Cause that's what we tell ourselves. Right. Yeah. It's like when Brett killed his deer this year and he's, and he's packing it out. He was so nervous to gut it and cut it up in the field that a bear was going to attack him while he was doing it. While he was doing it. Yeah. And like, I've killed a lot of deer, and I have not had that experience <laughs> right, yet. Right, I know. Yet. I mean, sure, dude. It could happen. It could happen any time, but, like, yeah. you know, so I'll, I'll yeah, just throw in the dramatic bear the, woods the bo- effect The boogeyman. Well, the year, the pre- the prior year, we did, we never saw wolves, but we heard a lot of wolves. We heard wolves getting after I remember some, that. Something in, you know, in, in the wee hours of the morning, wolves were getting after a deer or elk or something pretty close to camp, and a lot of howling, and screeching and shit um this year i didn't hear any wolves just heard every day there was a coyote near my camp that was quite active vocally uh-huh. um but yeah just you know the sol- solo bow hiking uh right for six days was it was amazing yeah saw saw mountain goats i think i told you and mm-hmm. you know way off in the distance through the binos well, but something that i've loved watching your evolution because i've you know yeah. i feel like i've watched your evolution a lot of it yeah you know in hunting um and gotten to experience a lot of it with you and your growth as a hunter and an outdoorsman in the field has been you know like you sending me picture texts and showing me elk from from e-scouting and like right. your enthusiasm and your passion for the outdoors is so huge and it's it's a privilege to get to see people have that sort of a drive right yeah and that's what you've had right yeah you yeah, know i'm and, pretty into it <laughs> yeah you you are though you know what i mean yeah. and, and it's more than just a kill to you it's a way of life it's yeah being in tune it's unplugging from the cement sea which is san francisco yeah and, yeah you know, really getting to kind of find yourself in nature and, and, uh, you know, I admire your relentlessness of pursuit of finding information for your areas, you know, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that because, you know, and I know that you use on X and Google mm-hmm. earth and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. What has been for you, your largest motivator when you're looking for elk woods and maybe places to go hunt elk, we obviously are not going to talk about any zone specifics or right, right. Sure, sure. anything like that, or we don't even have to talk about states. But, you know, like what is being I your mean, biggest I, drive? I, I've only hunted elk in Idaho. So, for sure. I mean, Idaho's no, a big I know. state. I'm not giving any secrets away. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm just yeah, you no, know, no. making sure that, that I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I, you know, people, they, they say uh, food, water, and sanctuary. And, you know, and the north facing slopes and just the the information that's available to anybody through podcasts or if you're lucky enough to know somebody who's done it or whatever. And I get on there and I look for the north facing slopes with all the trees and mm-hmm. and then, you know, try to zoom in a little bit and find some green spots where maybe there's some water or something, if not actual water. Mm-hmm. And then. Just keep zooming in and using the uh, the topo maps to see benches and stuff like that. And um, you know, I'm a, a, a I'm a big fan of a couple of the 
podcasts. So you know this one. Name them, dude. Um, feel free to talk. I I could care less. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, talk the, about any podcast you want, man. You know, I I feel like I've got a lot of great information from uh, the Hunt Backcountry podcast, mm-hmm. um, and uh, especially Michael Batiste and his Elk Calling Academy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that guy's a, a a really great dude, and he's you can ask him questions and you know he's really nice about it and you know he does online uh elk calling lessons over video chat even when there's no covid-19 right uh for a really inexpensive i think um i think it's if you if you're a member of his online thing it's 25 bucks an hour and if you're not it's 35 bucks an hour and mm-hmm. you know he devotes an hour and he calls and you call and he tells you what you're doing wrong and how to make it better and how to improve. How to improve. Yeah. Um, and you've improved a lot even in from your first year when you went, you yeah. know, and we were, you know, talking back and forth right, right. on your inReach yeah. to this past year when you went. Yeah, yeah. You I, know, and, and so what is that like for you, your first year of experience going into your second year and, uh, and having your first year knowledge and bringing that into your second year and then coming out your second year? You're extremely confident when I was – when I've talked to you yeah. about – um, how it's going, you know, your growth. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm really lucky and maybe it's cause I'm not a super young guy, but I'm not discouraged. Like, like I don't look at going hunting for, you know, 12, 14 days and not killing something as a failure. Mm-hmm. It's just, I went and I had a great adventure and I wasn't able to connect with an animal. Um, but it doesn't diminish it to me. I'm not saying, sure, I would like to put an arrow through uh, an elk or a deer or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, but I'm pretty good at keeping like a mental catalog of things that I think would enhance my experience or, and I'm pretty honest with myself about like, you know, this year I got to 35 yards from some elk and I just totally blew it. <laughs> I just like, I went from like super calm and collected to like cramming an arrow into my, onto, you know, knocking an arrow and acting like a jackass and scaring them all away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as, as a, another friend of mine said, he's like, man, sometimes you got to stop trying to make shit happen and let shit happen. And, I wish I had a video of myself because I know I I put that arrow in and I started crawling around like an idiot and, you know, just blew that whole herd out of there. And uh, if I, you know, if I had just, you know, kept quiet and got really still and like really like, you know, toned it down mentally and let my heart, you know, quiet down a little bit and stuff, I would, you know, possibly have had a different outcome. But you know, again, it was a good learning experience, and, you know, I just, you know. And a cumulative total of how many days in the field? Uh, 18 now. So 18 days in the field. Dude, you're going to be excited through the roof when it's actually about to happen. Right, yeah. You know, like, that's yeah. a given. Dude. Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. yeah. So, and I, you know, I, I was there for 10 days this year and uh, eight days this previous season, and um, I had, this year, I had uh i had some some calling back and forth with a bull uh across this little uh little drainage 
um, which was super cool. Um, and I realized that I needed to close that distance. You know, it's funny. There's like with hunting elk and some spearfishing, but like bigger game spearfishing, there's a little bit of similarities, which is kind of weird. But with, with big fish in open ocean, a lot of times you can just kick straight at them as hard as you possibly can and just close the distance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys I hear talking talk about the same thing. Like when you, you know, if you hear a bull across the way, get going, move and close that distance, get into that, you know, last hundred yards or 150 yards. And so I had, I had a bull bugling back at me and I just, I just kept calling. He called, I call, he called, I call. <laughs> and then I could have started to hear him getting farther and farther away. And I was like, Oh, and I really, I, I was on a, the pretty steep side of the hill. I could have closed that distance pretty fast, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, you know, I had a, I had the close encounter with those ones. And then, um, and then I had, uh, I, I did like made like a 330 yard stock from, well, from started out from 330, and the last I saw this elk was at 70. Um, and I had a little bit of issues with the wind at that point, but um, but that was cool. It's just cool to, you know, just to have those encounters and get closer and closer and work on it. Man, I I'm pumped. I don't care. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, again, I'm not going to tell you I don't care if I you know put an arrow through an elk or a deer at all, but. Uh, you know, I just don't look at it like a failure or, yeah. or a discouragement. Well, I mean, how many failed hunts did I have for years before I connected with my first animal? Yeah. You know, it's, that's part of the, that's part of the bag, man. Yeah. That's he, part of that. I mean, how many times they fail making the light bulb, dude. Right, right. You yeah. Know, and the only way, the only way you're going to get that electricity is being relentless. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, then. When I when I realized that you could go out in the ocean um, and spear a big fish, I had I read this book uh, called Blue Water Hunters and Free Divers or Blue Water Hunting by Terry Moss, and it was kind of funny. My dad sent me this book and he had read it. My, I got into spear fishing through my dad, and my dad read it and he was like, "This is amazing! It's so crazy that these guys do that." And when I read it, I was like, I can this is amazing, too. and this is what I am going to do. Yeah. But I didn't know anybody who – I didn't have any connections. I didn't know shit. So, you know, I was diving locally and, you know, enjoying myself. Nothing wrong with that. But, I, you know, it, it took me five years to – my first goal was I want to I wanna shoot a blue water fish over 50 pounds. And it took me five years, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was more time in the water than it – than I've spent in the elk woods, that's for fucking sure, or the deer, <laughs> the deer woods, and you yeah. know, whatever. So, you know, that's just, you know, I got a goal, and I'm working towards it. And in the meantime, I'm gonna e scout like a motherfucker, <laughs> you know. So I just like you were you were asking about that, and I just I f try to find the the terrain that looks acceptable, mm -hmm. and then zoom in closer and closer. And then once I'm real close, I just start creeping down the waterways and moving real slow with the on the on the screen and sometimes i come across some elk taken from photos of elk taken from space from satellite but you know what i did actually the thing that was enlightening to me was after we did that point reyes hike mm -hmm. i was like oh, sure. i wonder i bet i could see some of those elk on google earth 
And so I got on Google Earth and zoomed in as tight as I could to see what they look like. To see what they look like, and and but I paid a lot of attention to how their shadows looked. Uh huh. Um, because their shadows and the like, the dark head and neck and light body is pretty distinguishable. Yeah. Um, so I studied that, and then I went to look for look for them in areas that I might want to hunt. And you know, I've, I've sent I sent you some recently, didn't I? Like in the last couple of weeks. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I found like 12 or 14 the other day. And <laughs> we we had glassed. Relentless. An, <laughs> we had glassed an area from a few miles. Not many, I shouldn't say a few. A couple miles away, maybe this season, but didn't hunt it. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to e scout that thing mm-hmm. and look at it. And sure as shit, I found a handful of elk. So definitely going back this year. Right. <laughs> Did you already get your tags or got it? Yeah. yeah. For, I, I know there were some issues with them selling out last year. So the first day they opened, I bought the, and like, I don't think right now out of staters can buy anything there. I know that they can apply for limited draw there, Uh huh. but I don't know if they can buy an OTC tag. Yeah. I don't know. Because been, of COVID. Yeah. Right. It's been kind of weird and I'm not sure exactly what the, what's going on with that. But yeah, I, I did it the, the first day it opened. I was like, no, nothing's gonna. <laughs> I, I booked the time I wanted off to to go with the equinox and the the rut and all that and mm-hmm. and uh, bought the tags and everything as soon as they're available. So how cool! I'm on it again. I got extra days this year too. I went, nice. I went from uh, ten days the first year to twelve days last year to uh, fourteen or fifteen days this year. <laughs> this year's coming up. <laughs> A couple more years. It's just going to be September off, right. but. Now, what's your fascination with archery? Um, like, what what drew you to that? I don't know. I, it just, I really enjoy shooting a bow. And kind of like I said earlier, it's like shooting a bow is like part science, part magic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it appeals to a lot of stuff. It's like... I don't understand it well enough. Like I'm a pretty good shot, but there's just so much about it that still is kind of mystifies me. Whereas, you know, with a rifle, you know, and I'm not like an amazing marksman with a rifle either, but when I, 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 like I enjoy, I definitely enjoy sitting down and shooting a rifle, but, um, like, I think they just, like I could go out and shoot my bow all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think I would get kind of bored if I went and shot a rifle three days a week. It's boring. Yeah. And and then it's really fun when you're doing load development. And yeah. And once you achieve the load that you're shooting for. Right. I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't like to shoot my rifle more than three times a year if I don't have to. Right. Three. You know, what two muleys and a bull, a bull elk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're good. Like yeah. three times, shot it. Yeah. Done. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I, you know, as far as actually hunting goes, you know, the the few white-tailed deer I've killed and stuff, I don't know. I think I just felt like a different kind of satisfaction um, when, you, when you release an arrow, if you can see the arc of that arrow, and then you see it hit the animal where you wanted it to hit it, mm-hmm. and... You know, best case scenario, the animal dies, you know, within view of where you're standing. Um, but. And you go out to the Golden Gate 
Archery? Uh, San Francisco Archers is in Pacifica. In Pacifica. Yeah, yeah. There's a really big range there. And it's like a walkthrough course. There's two walkthrough courses. Yeah. Uh, two walkthrough courses, plus there's a 100-yard range, and then uh, a staggered range from 15 to 80 yards. Uh-huh. So there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. And my wife's in. She doesn't hunt, but she's into the archery as well. Yeah. And uh, I've shot with her before. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, we, yeah, we came up here. Oh, we got to do that again. We do. Um, is that place open? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's not. Actually, I think I read something the other day that all of Lake Sonoma is shut down. All the parking lots are barricaded. Mm. And they use the word barricaded. Right. They yeah. They do not want anyone there. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, we're we're... We're working, I mean, we, the Royal Week, because I haven't done a ton of it yet, but I, I talked to the president of the San Francisco Archers Club today to start helping do the stuff to get the our local range back open. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think, the, you know, especially on the walking courses and stuff, that's a pretty, pretty damn good social distancing. Right. You know, you might want to bring a, some hand sanitizer so you're not touching the same shit as other people, but beyond that but yeah i just like i just think shooting a bow is a pretty uh a pretty good and peaceful activity um i could be a pretty angsty person and working with a lot of people and like a high intensity environment and stuff i get pretty high anxiety and just going out and shooting my bow and stuff pretty relaxing Mm -hmm. so and I, i i think you know in the sense of the hunting too it's just to me I don't think I'm making it any easier on myself other than that there's a lot of over-the-counter archery tags, but... I prefer general tags to limited draw tags. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely, you know... I prefer to be in the field, not mm-hmm. sitting at home on my couch wishing I drew a tag. Yeah, I was a little... The the fellow Mike you were talking to, I mean, he he has had so many amazing hunts and and adventures and stuff you know my 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 relationship to the the activity is different than his but i was a little surprised when he was talking about how he didn't hunt so much because he spent so much time worrying about what tag he's going to draw tag maybe. he's going to get after having 22 points here or there and mm-hmm. and so at this point you know it's it's really important for me to get out there and time in the field man time in the field yeah it's like what charles talks about the language of the hunt yeah and you know you you really impressed that upon me too time in the field and and i i think i'm influenced a lot by your i I admire and i look up a lot to your ability to get it done on over-the-counter public land hunts i mean what more can you want (laughs) well you know and and i mean i know that on a lot of those hunts like Am I going to find a 200-class mule deer? 99.9% of the time, never. Maybe one day I'll luck out and and come into some monstrosity right. that someone else hasn't killed on this general tag yet. Right. You know, but, uh, I mean, for me, and, and I've always prided myself on this, you know, since, since way back when I first really started taking animals um, and focusing on stepping away from slaughterhouse beef and only eating wild game is you know there's there is great animals in every state on over-the-counter tags and 
we as Californians know how hard it is to hunt California general zones and the amount of effort and energy that we have to put into it in order to be successful. And if you take 10% of that energy and effort and put it into another state yeah, in a general tag, excuse me, um, your likelihood of success goes through the roof. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's just kind of my, that was my approach to out, you know, out yeah. of state hunting. Um, and I've been fortunate enough that, um, you know, I can get little tips and, and, and help here and help there and, and, uh, then just go out and, and get it done. And, um, whether I'm by myself or I'm taking other people along or helping other people get their first animals or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I've just always been a huge proponent of public land hunting, general tag hunting, Yeah, you know, not limited entry not you know special i've only killed one limited entry animal and all of my existence of hunting oh shit right what was it is a three by three mule deer in you know east slopes california yeah, okay see yeah. in the sierras yeah and uh that's the only time i've ever you know everything else has all been over the counter general tags and and I really like to press home that like, hey man, everybody can do that. Everybody right. can do what I do. Yeah. Everybody. All it takes is time, effort yeah. and energy. And like what you're doing, being relentless. And and not only being relentless, I went my first ten or eleven years of hunting without having successful kill. Right. Right. Without connection of an animal. That's eleven years. I don't know how many days in the field that that many failures built out on top of each other before I was able to really start kind of having success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, in my small amount of experience, it's like, if you, 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 you go out, you look and the more you do it, the, you, the, for me, at least the more you, I just learn those areas and mm-hmm. I, I, I get better at picking up on, on more, um, I, don't know, I guess I build the foundation better. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see, I see those little things, and I, I get you know, like this year I saw a lot more sign that I don't think I would have seen before. Found a bunch of rubs. You, you get know. way better at noticing sign. Yeah, yeah. You you just you build that knowledge base and mm-hmm. and that you know, and part of that is goes back to why I was saying like it, I don't ever I don't feel like going and not killing something was a failure is because I, you know, I learned something. If I just went somewhere and camped at my car and, you know, <laughs> hoped that an animal walked by, walked into camp, I mean, it might be pretty relaxing and peaceful, but yeah. you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't build on my knowledge base at all. Right. Well, when I wasn't self-employed, you know, and I'd come back from a 10 day hunt, yeah, you know, everybody, my employer, whatever how was vacation you know and it's like man oh, I, I hate that i work harder on a hunt than i do for your ass yeah i, you know? I uh, <laughs> like <laughs> from spearfishing through to hunting i i really dislike being asked asked how was my vacation if i go to hawaii and somebody asked with my wife and somebody asked me how was my vacation it was fucking great mm-hmm. but if i go and hunt or go hunt fish and somebody asked me how was my vacation. 
I just want to be like, uh-uh, you got the <laughs> wrong idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is decompressing in its own sense. Yeah. Um, but the amount of um, mental, physical yeah. endurance that is involved in that, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many days that I've woken up after three days of nonstop grinding yeah. with not even seeing an animal yeah, and been like, I'm not getting out of bed today until 10 a.m. Right. You know, just because I'm that discouraged, you know, but how many times have I been six days in and then been like, all right, you know, I, uh, speaking of, of discouraged, it's funny. So I've, I've never settled tattooed on my collarbones right okay and uh and it was actually uh ross jones did that okay ross is a savage love that guy um so i got never settled tattooed on my chest and i was at a dinner earlier this year and we're all you know everybody there was talking about my tattoos and i was like yeah never settle and my buddy who's sitting directly across the table from me was like man how the fuck do you have never settle tattooed across your chest when you settled for a cow on day nine this year and i was like fuck dude you just like gutted me it was so <laughs> gnarly dude uh, it was funny you know it sometimes you gotta bring home some meat too yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't know i mean it's easy for me to say <laughs> it's funny it's just like it was so like and it, for the person who it was who yeah. did it like can you say who it was? I, you know, I, I don't know if, if – I'm sure they wouldn't care, but I'm, I'll okay. leave that a mystery. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and just for them to be like, how the fuck do you have never settled and you settled for a cow on the ninth day? And this is somebody who's killed multiple 400-class bulls. So, yeah. how, uh, uh, how many days were in – or how many days total did you have? On that hunt? Yeah. I settled for a cow on the ninth day. No, but like how long would it have gone on if you – say you didn't settle. Oh, there was an unlimited. I could have stayed there as long as I wanted. Oh, okay. It was just day nine and a cow stepped out in front of me and I hadn't – I had passed multiple bulls mm -hmm. up to that point. But you wanted a, a big one. I was looking for a 300. Yeah. You know, like that's my that's my benchmark right yeah. now in my what life. Do, what do you think that one is? Um, I'd say that's maybe – High twos, two eighties, two nineties. I was I was gonna say two. I mean, I I'm just totally guessing, just straight up guess. But I was oh, two fifty. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I don't even I don't even know how to measure them. Mm -hmm. I just like when people like you know I see the photos. This one is three thirty, or this one blah blah blah. So I'm just kind of comparing. Yeah, making a comparison. Yeah, but. it's got great time length. It makes up really good on its thirds. Um, it's got decent mass. It's a mature yeah. bull. Yeah. You know, its bases are solid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But they are there. And so for me, that's more of what I look for. Mm -hmm. um, I would prefer for for a 6x6 six six mm -hmm. instead of yeah, yeah. Um, a 6x5. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah, yeah, six double check my yeah, counting yeah, here. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, I have not for myself yet killed a bull over... 300 even mm -hmm. you know i mean i've only had four elk tags in my life i've killed two cows and two bulls mm -hmm. so i'm 100 percent success on filling tags yeah but not 
on killing a mature a big big one a big one yeah you know what i mean and and that was what i was going for this year yeah and uh i ended up shooting that cow and then when i came off of the mountain i packed the cow out and basically in one push which is fucked yeah um there was a guy actually who was parked at the trailhead when i got out there and i think it was like six and a half miles at that point or something and and he just he saw me come up and he was like what the fuck and i was like yeah man like i'm dead do you just have water <laughs> and i i fell down into the snowbank yeah and he was like do you want a beer and i was like dude i don't drink and he's like yeah here's water <laughs> and i was like actually i was like my truck's you know 400 yards down the road like can I throw my stuff in the bed of your truck? I'll walk to my truck. Just just drop it off at my truck. That'd be great. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. He's like, is the other half of the elk still on the mountain? I was like, no, it's all there. You know, and I had tied I had tied the hinds yeah. to my hip belt. Right. So I wasn't carrying the load. I was more dragging yeah, yeah. across the snow. And then everything else was boned out. And, you know, top to bottom, my pack was full 100%. Right. And uh, there was still daylight, so I was like, I'm going to go to my glassing point. Drove my happy ass to my glassing point, and there was, I don't know, I think there's eight bulls and five of them I would have shot. <laughs> and there were two and a half miles on the other side of the mountain from where I shot the cow. Yeah. I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so pissed. Looking at that one is... is That's what happens when you give up on day nine. <laughs> Looking at that one's really cool to me because the one the, the of the two bulls I saw this past season, one was I think a little smaller than that one, um, but one was definitely bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, and that and I when I was looking at him, I was like, and I had plenty of time because it was like right at sunset and there was no way I was going to get to where he was and stuff, so I had just had a, a good, a really amazing experience watching all these elk, but, um, but he was wide and long going back, uh-huh. um, six by six. But I just remember like, you know, like that guy's kind of like this, this guy was like this wide. Yeah. Big and wide. And then when he turned to leave, they were like, you know, you know, two thirds of the way down his back, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Really, like I was, was like, "Whoa, holy shit!" Because I, when when I saw him, it was facing directly at me, and my first thought was just how wide that looked. I mean, it looked like it was four feet wide. Mm-hmm. And then when he turned and went away, I mean, it was just, you know, that beautiful st- dude. That arc is just so. <laughs> I, I mean, you know. I, I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do when I kill a, an elk like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was, we went two years ago when Paul and I walked in there, we walked in our first hunt and we had a, a bull calling pretty close to us. And then call, we were calling back and forth with him. And there was a little creek there and I didn't know that they wouldn't want to cross a creek to come because that makes them feel vulnerable and shit. But and then he he left down the mountain, down the drainage, and then we called him back to us. When I heard that thing screaming at us, God, I was fucking hooked. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I bet. Like, like you know, like four hours into the first day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
Oh my fucking! <laughs> this is woo! Totally, totally pumped. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Well, how can people look you up? Um, can uh, look me up on Instagram. Uh, my full name Jeff Croce, J E F F C R O C I, all run together. Um, that's probably the most convenient and widely available way. Um, if you have interest in tattoos, hit me up. If you just want to talk shit, hit me up. If you want to tell me I'm an asshole, hit me up there too. <laughs> Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, dude. Yeah, I appreciate dude, you coming. This has been a blast. Thanks so much. You no, know, hopefully I, we cooked some good food. Yeah, let's say we got tasty. to. I got to eat my first wild sheep. So yeah, it's delicious, it's delicious sheep tacos. Yeah, it was amazing. Right, was so pumped. Good, man. Well, you know, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. Thanks for tuning into the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.